to look at Hebrews chapter 13 and talk about our unchanging Lord. Our unchanging Lord. Many people, when they read the Bible, they struggle to connect the Bible that was written uh, around 2,000 or more years ago. Uh, they, they, they struggle to connect it with the 21st century in your, their lives today. Many folks read about shepherds <clears throat> and angels and, and, and people that God spoke to in the past and, and all these great things that God did in the past with other people. And, and they struggle to make connection with today. And, and maybe they struggle to wonder, is it even worth reading the Bible? Because I, I, I don't see how this connects with my life today. And one of the truths that help us connect what we read in the Bible and with our lives today is the reality that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And in the scriptures, we get revelation of how God has dealt with people and worked with people and walked with people and showed up for people and delivered people and disciplined his people. Throughout history, we see the way that God works. We see his ways. We see his character. We see his purposes. We see him actively engaged in human history. And the author of Hebrews tells us that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so as we read the scriptures, we read the Old Testament, and we read the New Testament, we see the same God, the one true God, the, the triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We see God working throughout human history, and he is working in our lives today as well. And so scripture is relevant to our lives. It's profitable. It's helpful. God reveals himself to us. He reveals his ways to us. He reveals his will for our lives to us through the scriptures. And so we're going to read Hebrews 13, 7 through 9 and focus in on the first uh, verse 7 and then focus in on verse 8 on the un our unchanging Lord. Amen? Let us pray and we'll read. Father, thank you for your word that you've given us. That Thank you that you haven't left us to speculation about who we are, who you are, and why we're here. But you've given us revelation of yourself through your scripture, by your spirit. You've shown us who you are. And today would you open our eyes to see you as the eternal rock, the unchanging God who's faithful and constant and consistent. And may we, as a result of getting a glimpse of who you are today, be changed to become more like you. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. Hebrews 13, verse 7 says, Remember your leaders. Those who spoke to you the word of God, consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Do not be led away by diverse and strange teachings, for it is good for the heart to be strengthened 
by grace, not by foods which have not benefited those devoted to them. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Here's our big idea. This is where we're going. Our Lord Jesus Christ is eternally unchanging. And he calls us to have our lives anchored in him. Our Lord Jesus Christ is eternally unchanging, and he calls us to have our lives anchored in him. Now, before we hone in on this particular aspect of, of who Jesus is in verse 8, let's look at verse 7. Many people fail to see the connection between verse 7 and verse 8. Verse 8 of, Romans of Hebrews 13 stands alone strong. Jesus the same yesterday, today, and forever. But it does have a context. There are surrounding verses there that have connected thoughts to it. And verse 7 is one of those verses. And it says, remember your leaders, those who spoke to you the word of God. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. And the, in Hebrews 13, the author has several statements, a, a few statements about how Christians are to relate to their leaders. And, and also some descriptions of, of the role that leaders have, pastoral, spiritual leaders in their lives. And the first thing is he says is remember your leaders. Remember them. Now, perhaps it could be some theologians think that, that their leaders who first led them to the Lord had actually passed away. Okay? And so the author of Hebrews is saying, remember your leaders. Remember those who led you to the Lord, instructed you in the word of God. Perhaps that, that's what he's uh, referring to there. Re remember them. Remember how God has worked through their lives in bringing you his word. And then reflect on the life, their life's outcome. Reflect on that. Think about the outcome of their way of life. Okay? They spoke to you the word of God, and their lives modeled godliness to you. Consider the outcome of their way of life. This may include persecution. Because of their commitment to Jesus and their godly lives, it may involve persecution and even martyrdom. Okay, But we also know that the outcome of a godly person is there's godly character, there's good fruit, they make an impact on those around them, they influence and impact people around them for the better, and when they transition from this life to the next, there are eternal rewards. There is divine affirmation from the Lord, well done, good and faithful servant. There's a crown of righteousness. There's, there's rewards for those who have been faithful. And so the author of Hebrews tells them to remember them, reflect on their life's outcome, and then imitate their faith. In Hebrews 11, the author of Hebrews gave a list of Old Testament saints that weren't perfect, but they believed God. They trusted God, and God worked through their lives. God showed up. In their lives. And so we have these examples of faith to imitate. We're told earlier on in Hebrews to imitate those who through faith and patience have inherited the promises. And so we see people in the Old Testament like Abraham, the father of faith, who modeled trust in God while waiting for God and waiting for God and waiting for God. And Abraham was far from perfect. 
but he believed God, and God declared him righteous. And Abraham had a faithful God that his trust was in. And so the author tells the, the, the people of the Hebrew audience, the Hebrew Christians, to remember their leaders, to reflect on the outcome of their life, to imitate their faith. And then in verse 17, he tells them to obey your leaders and submit to them, for they are keeping watch over your souls as those who will give an account. Let them do so with joy, not with groaning, so that it would be of no advantage to you. Okay? So, so he gives responsibilities of how, the, how Christians are to relate to their leaders. Good leaders are a blessing from God, a gift from God. Amen? Amen to that. And we should honor them and, and thank God for them and recognize God's work through them. We should pray for them. And there, there's, other, there's other New Testament patches, passages that we can look at, but I just want to briefly highlight these four things here. That they were to remember them, they were to consider, reflect on the outcome of their life, imitate their faith, and obey and submit to their leadership. Of course, that is as they lead with the authority of God's word. These leaders had spoken to these Christians about God's word, and the word of God is the basis of that authority. The, the basis of their leadership that they walk in. They have pointed the saints to Jesus Christ, who is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Jesus is the ultimate leader. So we see responsibilities to leaders, and then we see uh, also responsibilities of leaders in this passage. One of the first ones is that they are to speak the word of God. Leaders are to be those whose spiritual leaders are to be um, grounded in the word of God, skilled in the word of God, internalizing the word of God, applying the word of God, speaking the word of God to others. Okay? Pointing them to Jesus, who's always the same. And they are to set a pace for faithfulness and godly living. Okay? There's an outcome, there's a way of life that they are to live. And in Titus and 1 Timothy, uh, Paul gives qualifications for those who lead within the church, and they are to be marked by godly character. They are to live disciplined lives. They are to have a good reputation among outsiders. They are to be hospitable and gentle. They are to be godly people. And so they are to set the pace for faithfulness and godly living among the saints. Now remember, one of the themes... Throughout, one of the major themes throughout this book is that the author of Hebrews calls the people of God to endurance. He calls them to possess a faith that leads to faithfulness. He calls them to have a persevering faith even through difficult times, even when they're being tempted to go back to their old ways of Judaism. Okay? He calls them to persevere in the faith. And their leaders were models of this. So he says, imitate their faith. Okay? They spoke the word of God to you, which builds your faith. And they pointed you to the one Jesus Christ, who's the object of your faith. The author and the finisher of your faith. And so listen to what they're saying, because they're pointing you to the ultimate leader. The ultimate shepherd, the good shepherd who will never leave you nor forsake you, verse 5. Okay? Now, 
Your earthly leaders are going to pass away one day. And this may have been the case with these guys at this point. Okay? I love being your pastor here at City Church, darling. But I realize that I may not always be your pastor. And that's okay. But Jesus Christ will always be your shepherd. And he will never leave you nor forsake you. People move. People get sick. People die. People change. Things happen. But Jesus Christ is consistent. He doesn't change. He remains faithful and consistent. He's worthy of our trust. And so I see my role here as a pastor to, to not draw you to myself and get you to follow me. My role here is to point you to Jesus, to follow Jesus, to keep your eyes on Jesus. Because as a pastor, I know I'm going to let you down. I know I got imperfections and struggles. And if you're putting all your hope in a person, in a man, in the flesh, like me, you're going to get disappointed. But if you're putting your hope and your faith in Jesus Christ, who's yeah. consistent yeah. always, yeah. you won't be disappointed. Amen. Amen. He's not going to leave you or forsake you. Amen. Okay? His life is indestructible. He ever lives, and therefore he can make promises like, I will never leave you nor forsake you. That's why we are to be content regardless of what's going on in our lives, regardless of how much we have or how much we don't have. We're to be content because we have the promised presence of our Lord with us always. And he's enough. And spiritual leaders are to point the saints to the good shepherd to, and, and teach them the word of God so that they can hear the voice of God. Through the scripture and hear the shepherd's voice speaking they are to watch over the church against false teaching and false teachers and spiritual leaders will have to give an account to God now I, I want to Hebrews 13 7 and 8 in the message paraphrased by Eugene Peterson I think he does an excellent job in connecting the dots between verses 7 and verses 8. And I just want you guys to see this. I think he said it well here. He said, appreciate your pastoral leaders who gave you the word of God. Take a good look at the way they live and let their faithfulness instruct you as well as their truthfulness. There should be a consistency that runs through us all. For Jesus doesn't change. Yesterday, today, tomorrow. He always, totally, he's always totally himself. He's always totally himself. We're talking about the eternal son of God, the eternal God who doesn't change. Amen? Theologians call this the immutability of God. Okay? It's a big, big theological term that theologians have. And this is the way that Wayne Grudem in his book, Systematic Theology, describes or defines the immutability of God. He says, God is unchanging in his being, perfections, purposes, purpose and promises, yet God does act and feel emotions. He acts and feels differently in response to different situations. And see, here in the book of Hebrews, the author's pointing us to the immutability specifically of Jesus Christ. He's already affirmed, and even this verse affirms the deity of Jesus Christ, okay? And he's, 
And, he, and he's also affirmed the humanity of Jesus Christ in, in Hebrews chapter 2, the, the mystery of the incarnation, the eternal God who stepped into human history and expressed and revealed himself to humanity. What a profound thought that the God who transcends time and space stepped in to a point in history, to a place in the Middle East, in Galilee, and he lived amongst us, and we beheld his glory. We, we got a glimpse of who he is, the eternal God. He came close. I love that God is transcendent, infinite, and personal and near. Okay? That's the God of the Bible that we see. Um, so there's plenty of scriptures that we can look at that, that, that affirm and, and teach us about the immutability of God, the unchanging, the unchangeableness of God. Malachi 3 uh, verse 6 says, For I, the Lord, do not change. Therefore, you, O children of Jacob, are not consumed. Amen? Amen. Psalm 102. And by the way, this is quoted speaking of Jesus in Hebrews chapter 1. In Hebrews chapter 1. And, and he quotes this, this psalm. It says, Of old you laid the foundations of the earth. The heavens are the work of your hands. They will perish, but you remain. They will wear out like a garment. You will change them like a robe. They will pass away, but you are the same, and your years have no end. This is our God, our unchanging Lord. And he's speaking about Jesus. We believe that Jesus, that the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit are one, right? Um, so there's five things here about the Lord that don't change that I've gotten from J.I. Packer's book, Knowing God, he has a chapter called Unchanging God. I highly recommend that book, by the way, if you want to study who God is, his attributes, and get to know him in a personal, intimate way. But here's some of the scriptures that point us to um, the, the reality that the Lord's, first of all, the Lord's life doesn't change. He always was, he always is, and he always will be. Okay? Psalm 90, verse 2 says, Lord, you have been our dwelling place in all generations before the mountains were brought forth, or ever you had formed the earth and the world from everlasting to everlasting. You are God. You are God from everlasting to everlasting. Now, I know we struggle. We struggle with, it, with it, trying to grasp our minds around eternity and, and, and a being who's always been in eternity. Because we've never experienced living outside of this time and space. And so we're confined to it. And so we struggle to grasp the transcendence of God. The scriptures call God the immortal God, who alone is immortal, eternal king. He, his life is indestructible. Hebrews 7, 16, we looked at that a couple of months ago. He cannot, A.W. Pink said this, he cannot change for the better, for he is already perfect. And being perfect, he, does, he can't change for the worse. I'll say that again. He cannot change for the better, for he is already perfect. And being perfect, he cannot change for the worse. He's perfect. Our God is perfect. He's unchangeable. There's no reason for him to change anything about who he is because he's perfect. 
He can't improve upon his knowledge, his wisdom, his beauty, his love, his righteousness, his justice. He's perfect. His power, he can't improve. He, he, he's not going to improve upon what's already there. He's perfect. And he's not going to get worse. He's not going to be deficient of any of his perfections. Doesn't that make you glad? That God is forever the same? Doesn't That should comfort our souls knowing that the one who rules and reigns over the universe doesn't change. And he's perfect. Because we see a lot of imperfect people in an imperfect world that's been marred by sin and destruction and sickness and war and pain. But our God is perfect. And, and I love that about corporate worship. When we worship God, we focus in on the one who's perfect. We meditate and we sing about the beauties of his perfection, of his glory, of his love. And so our Lord's life doesn't change. Hebrews 7.25 says, Consequently, he is able to save to the uttermost those who draw near to God through him, since he always lives to make intercession for them. He always lives to make intercession for them. For them, his Life doesn't change. And you know what? Jesus has not only redeemed you and forgiven you and justified you. He is interceding for you. He has secured your salvation, saints, if indeed you have believed. If indeed you have truly received the grace of God and come to Christ in faith, he has secured you. Not because of your strength, and your grip on him, but because his grip of grace upon your life. He ever lives to make intercession for his people. Let us be comforted by this truth that God doesn't change. In the middle of a pandemic, when we've seen economy change, we've seen so much change more than ever in our lifetime. We've seen so much change globally. Our God doesn't change, and his kingdom is unshakable. We've seen a lot of shaking going on amongst the kingdoms of this world. Empires and great businesses that have collapsed. Stock markets that have dropped. But our God doesn't change. He's consistent. He ever lives to make intercession for us. Those of us who are parents, many of us have had our children, and once they get old enough and you're talking to them about God, they have that question. Mom, Dad, who made God? Right? Anybody? Anybody had that? Parents, you've had that question? I know I've had that with my children. Okay, God, he made everything and everybody, but, but who made God? Right? And the simple answer to that question is no one. No one made God. He always was. He was always there. Inhabiting eternity. And that just blows our mind. We struggle with that. And so it takes faith for us to believe that. And he who comes to God must believe that he is, that he exists. Hebrews 11, 6. We, we must come believing that he's a God who's, who exists. He's there. And he's always been there. He exists. And we must believe that he's a rewarder of those who seek him. So who made God? No one made God. He is the creator. He's distinct from creation. He made everything, and he upholds it all by the word of his power, Hebrews 1 tells us. And he doesn't change. And so let our hearts be comforted by this, this, this truth about God this morning. 
that his life doesn't change, also that his character doesn't change. James 1.17 says, Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. Our God is good, and he doesn't change. And if you've seen Jesus, you've seen the Father. If you've seen Jesus, John 14, you've seen the Father. He, the exact representation of the Father. You've seen who he is. He was the one that came full of grace and truth, John 1 tells us, 14 and 17. Full of grace and truth. In the Old Testament, in, in Exodus 34, when Moses wanted to see who God was and see the glory of God, God passed by Moses and put him in the cleft of the rock and passed by. And it says that he proclaimed to him, the Lord, the Lord, a God, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, keeping steadfast love for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, but will by no means clear the guilty. This is our God. This is his character. And he's not going to change. He's not going to change who he is. He reigns. He's good. He's great. And he doesn't change. So rejoice in that. Be happy that our God does not change. Also, his word doesn't change. The Lord's word doesn't change. Uh, Isaiah 40, verse 6 says, All flesh is grass, and its beauty is like the flower of the field. The grass withers, and the flower fades. When the breath of the Lord blows on it, surely the people are grass. The grass withers, the flowers fade. But the word of our God will stand forever. His word won't change. It's consistent. Psalm 119 verse 89 says, Forever, O Lord, your word is firmly fixed in the heavens. So let us be people who are grounded in the truth of Scripture, believing God's eternal word, because it will help anchor our souls, having our hope put in Jesus Christ and what he has said, who he has been revealed to be through scripture, which he says scripture cannot be broken in John chapter 10, verse uh, 35. Jesus affirmed the authority of the scriptures and he said they point to him. They point to him. And so God doesn't change. His, his character doesn't change. His life doesn't change. His word doesn't change. And the Lord's ways don't change. The ways he has dealt with people throughout history and the ways he deals with us today. Psalm 25, 10 says, all the ways of the Lord are loving and faithful to those who keep the demands of his covenant. Isaiah 55, 8, 9 says, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the, as, as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts are your thoughts. His ways don't change. Now, we need to change our ways, right? We all have ways of living, ways we do things, ways we think, ways that we act, ways that we speak, and we need to change those to become more like him, the unchangeable God. And, and the, the way that the scripture teaches us that, that we're changed is we're, cha we're changed by the renewing of our minds. Mm -hmm. 
We're transformed by the renewing of our minds. We're transformed by beholding the glory of who God is. And as we behold the glory, the beauty, and the, the, the weight, and the majesty of who he is, as we're glimpsing at who he is, we're, the Spirit of God changes us from glory to glory, 2 Corinthians 3.18. And so let us be people who, who just meditate and reflect on the Word of God and reflect on the ways of God and get glimpses of his glory so that we can be more changed to be gracious compassionate, slow to anger. I know I could use all, all of those, more of those in my life. Abounding in steadfast love. God delights when we reflect him more and more. Next is that God's purposes, the Lord's plans and purposes don't change. His ways don't change. His character doesn't change. His life doesn't change. And his plans and purposes don't change. Psalm 33, 11 says this. The counsel of the Lord stands forever. The plans of his heart to all generations. The plans of his heart to all generations. Many of us have been confronted by the reality that our plans change. For, for 2020, the year of vision Many of us had vision for a great year of great things coming our way. Going, going, where, going on vacations, accomplishing certain things, parties, achievements, all kinds of things. And we've been confronted that we are finite, that we are weak, that our life is but vapor, James tells us. And so James tells us, when you make plans, don't boast about them. Say, we're going to go do this. We're going to travel here and there. We're going to do some business here and there. But rather say, if the Lord wills, we're going to go here and there and, and do this or that. Because we don't control our destiny. Our life is in his hands, not ours. And we're, we're humbled in this pandemic. We're humbled by the reality that we're not in control. And we, we don't have the, the, the power to make all our plans come to pass because we don't know what the future holds. But we do know the one who holds the future and the one who knows the future. And so we say, if the Lord wills, we'll do this or that. Amen. So we submit our lives joyfully under his plans, his purposes, his ways. We submit to his word. A.W. Pink said this. He said, one of two things caused man to change his mind and reverse his plans. Want of foresight to anticipate everything or lack of foresight to execute them. But as God is both omniscient and omnipotent, there is never a need for him to revise his decrees. God knows everything. He's omniscient and he's all powerful. He's omnipotent. He can make his plans come to pass and even use stuff like the crucifixion, the murder of the Son of God, the Romans and the Jews killing his very own son to bring about good and salvation to all who believe. He can use stuff like, like Joseph's brothers throwing him into a pit and, and working that for good that many might be saved Joseph going from a pit to prison to, uh, uh, to being falsely accused and all these terrible things that he said, you meant it at evil towards me, but God meant it for good. 
God had a plan. I didn't see it. Y'all didn't see it. But y'all were actually working. God was working through you somehow, some way sovereignly to bring about his good plan. The, the Romans and the Jews and, and, and Satan and his demons probably didn't see and understand how the crucifixion of the Son of God would mean salvation to the world, to those who believe, right? And so God's plans and purposes will stand. And part of his plan is to have a people, to have a bride without spot or blemish, who's redeemed, forgiven, and free, and will be with him for all eternity. A part of his plan are to make all things new, a new heaven and a new earth. A part of his plans is for Jesus to come back, judge the living and the dead, and bring salvation to those who've trusted and waited for him. That's going to happen. And his glory will cover the earth. The knowledge of the Lord will cover the earth as the waters cover the sea. It's going to happen. God says it's going to happen. And so we can trust that his plans and purposes will be fulfilled. So don't fret. When you think God's purpose and your plans for your life aren't happening, aren't going to happen. Psalm 138, verse 8, David said, the Lord will fulfill his purpose for me. The Lord will fulfill his plans for me. We can trust that he who began a good work in us will complete it. Our lives are in his hands. He's the potter, we're the clay. He's the father, we're the children. And he's intimately and actively, actively involved in our lives and he'll never leave us he'll never forsake us though we go through dark valleys and difficult times though we walk through the valley of the shadow of death we will not fear for our Lord is with us our shepherd is with us in the shadows in the shadows of death our shepherd is with us through this pandemic and it's been a test it's been difficult it's been painful it's been lonely been hard. Many have died. Many have gotten sick. Many, many have had just difficult times through this. Yet our, our Lord hasn't changed. He's still good. He's still with us. He's still shepherding us. Our God doesn't change. I heard a story about a, uh, and I've shared this before, a couple who was married for years, many years, and they were driving down the road in their truck, and their wife looked over to the husband and, and said, said, honey, I miss it. I miss when I used to sit next to you. And you would have your arm around me and we'd drive down the road. Why don't we do that anymore, honey? And he looked over to his wife and he said, honey, I ain't never moved. He just kept on driving. Right? Over time, she just kind of scooted over. Right? <laughs> I've been driving. I'm, I've been right here the whole time. Our God has been constant, consistent, unchanging. We, as sheep, have strayed away. We have, have allowed circumstances, doubts, struggles to kind of scoot us a little bit away from, from being close to him. And he wants us to be close to him. And perhaps there's somebody today watching or here among us that, that you feel distant from God. And, and I, I beckon you, I, I call you to, to respond to his invitation to come. Just come to him, come near He's faithful. He's been there. He's consistent. He wants you to experience his nearness, and his nearness is your good. You need it. You need him. He desires it. 
He delights in you being close to him, but you really need it. It's really for your good. And so this last little section in verse 9, the author of Hebrews says, Do not be led astray by diverse and strange teachings, for it's good for the heart to be strengthened by grace, not by foods which have not benefited those devoted to them. Again, the author of Hebrews is calling the people to be constant, steady, grounded, not, not drawn away by temptations, not drawn away back into Judaism and all the rituals, all, all, the, all the strange teachings that, that, come, that, that come their way. They are to be strengthened, or the, the new King James, a couple other translations say established. Be, let, let your hearts be established by the grace of God. By the way, this is what this is the mark of mature Christians. They've, they've, they've learned that they are who they are by the grace of God. Not by how much they can do for God, but by who God is and what God has done in their lives. Like Paul said, I am what I am by the grace of God. Let your hearts be strengthened by the reality of God's grace in your life. That he's rescued you and saved you and he's working in you. He is a God gracious. And he teaches us to rely on his grace, to live by his grace. So don't be led astray from any false teaching or strange teaching, uh, diverse and strange teaching that... It may sound interesting. They may sound attractive. They may scratch an itch on your ears, your itching ears, if you have itching ears. But don't let them draw you away. Don't let those things draw you away. Be grounded and strengthened and established in the grace of Jesus Christ, who's consistent. Amen. He doesn't change. Amen. His grace keeps us, it sustains us. He, he told Paul, my grace is sufficient for you. My power, my strength is made perfect in weakness. Let the grace of God strengthen you. If you're going through a hard time right now, you feel weak, you're struggling, life is hard, let the grace of God strengthen you. Don't, in your vulnerability and in your hurt and in your struggle and in your doubts, don't be drawn away by these strange teachings that are out there. They were there in the first century and they're, they're there today. You just got to turn the TV on. You'll find plenty of them or the radio. You know, or listen to music, or just keep up with Hollywood. There's all kinds of stuff that will that will lead us astray. If, if false teaching out there, and mature Christians are not like little children who are tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine. Mature Christians are established in the grace of God, established in the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so, I pray that we would be a church full of people who are established in God's grace, rooted in Christ grounded, not moved by the winds of diverse and strange teachings, and not moved by the storms of the difficulties in this life. Amen. Not moved by persecution when it's hard and not cool to be a Christian in our culture. Amen. When they say you can't go to church, you can't teach Jesus is the only way. You can't say he's the only way to salvation. When, when, when there's persecution coming against the followers of Christ, let us be those who are established and strengthened by the grace of God. Amen? Amen. I've heard about um, one of the things that dancers do, ballerinas and those who spin in dancing, they, it's something called spotting. 
have you ever wondered, like, how do they not just get dizzy and, like, tip over, you know, just spinning around and around and around? And one of the things that they do is they, they spot, so they, they focus in on a particular spot. We've got a cross back there. We'll say, focus in on the cross, and you just keep spinning, right? And, and, <laughs> thank you. In Hebrews chapter 12, we are told to fix our eyes on Jesus. Fix our gaze on him. Because we live in a world that's ever-changing. All kinds of stuff happening around us. We have changes that are happening inside of us as well. Life seasons of life that are changing. We have our doubts and our struggles and our fears. And there's sickness that comes. And there's all kinds of difficult things that come in our life. And as the world around us is spinning, we can be fixed in on Jesus. And what he's done for us. Who the joy set before him endured the cross. We can endure our cross. We can endure our storms as we fix our eyes on him, as we rely on his grace to strengthen our hearts, to keep us, as our souls are anchored in our hope in him. We can withstand the storms. The storms have come and the storms will come. And so let me close an application. First, recognize the important role of your leaders the important role that your leaders play in your life and respond biblically to their leadership. Biblical leadership is to point the saints to Jesus, the good shepherd, the ultimate leader. Biblical leadership is to reflect the character of Jesus, okay? to serve like Jesus, to love like Jesus, to preach the word, declare the word that, that reveals who Jesus is, the same yesterday, today, and forever. So recognize the important role that leaders play in your life, spiritual leaders, and respond biblically to their leadership. Allow the truth of the Lord's unchangeableness to stay your life of faith. Allow the truth of the Lord's, un of the Lord's unchangeableness to stay your life of faith. Because he's consistent, he's constant, he's faithful, he's unchanging, you can be faithful because you know him. And, he, and, and the, your faithfulness is not based on your effort, but it's based on his keeping grace, sustaining grace. Now, we need to put in all our effort in following Jesus, and we're going to sweat for Jesus. We may bleed for Jesus, but his grace is what saves us and keeps us, not our efforts. Amen? Amen. We respond to his grace. We respond with action that honors him, that blesses others. But allow the truth of his unchangeableness to stay your life. And then lastly, rely on God's grace rather than any other means for strength. We, we tend to look for all kinds of other things for strength. Um, as, as the Israelites talked about going back to Egypt, you know, we tend to, uh, we're warned in, in the Old Testament, don't, don't look to Egypt for, for strength or rely on the strength of a horse or uh, don't minister in your own strength minister in the ability that God supplies don't speak your own words and your own opinion speak the word of God and so we're to rely on God's grace Hebrews 14 16 says let us therefore come boldly before the throne of grace how do we rely on God's grace we continue to come boldly to God in prayer asking for Depending upon him 
for that grace, looking to his word to impart grace to our lives. Acts 20 describes his word as the word of grace. Paul, when he left the Ephesian elders and knew he wasn't going to see them again, he says, now I commend you to God and the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and give you an inheritance among the saints. And so rely on the grace of God. Amen. Kevin, would you come on up? I'd like for us to close in prayer and song and respond to the truth that we've just looked at in scripture, that God is an unchanging God, our unchanging Lord. Let that ignite worship, praise towards your God, towards our God. And let us repent. Let us repent for being so transient. Let us repent for not letting our yes be yes and a no be no. Being flaky. Being inconsistent. Father, would you work in us faithfulness? Teach us. Teach us to conform to your character. We thank you that you model it perfectly for us and that you're the basis of us being faithful because you're faithful you're consistent, you're the same you're faithful to forgive when we confess our sins, you're faithful to provide a way of escape for us when we're tempted and struggling you're faithful to pick us up when we're broken and hurting and make a way when there seems to be no way faithful, Jesus, to intercede for us when no one else may be, when we may struggle to have the strength to pray as we ought to. Your spirit makes intercession for us. So we thank you for amazing grace. Teach us to be people who rely on it. 